Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1007. Patience is the key to endurance racing. Taking care of the car and being patient. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, John Kalesa. John, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am, Mark. Here we go. John Kalesa is the founder of American Endurance Racing, known as AER. The idea was born out of a desire for an inclusive endurance racing series. John's goal is to provide a fun, safe racing experience for drivers to participate in endurance racing using any production-based race car. The races are multi-class with cars competing against others in class cars and wins are based on the total number of laps completed. His goal is to allow for a huge amount of track time on the best tracks with minimum prep rules and at a reasonable cost. It all started in 2014 when John, who was an amateur racer, decided there needed to be an endurance option for people like he and his racing buddies. So John, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your life and career and business and your passion for automobiles and racing? Sure. Thank you, Mark. That's right. I was an amateur racer. Um, I was doing it, you know, as a hobby and I had stopped for a while. I'd be, I was a stay at home dad and I was trying to decide what I was going to do next. And about that time I started seeing on Jalopnik, they were talking about the 24 hours of lemons and it looked like a lot of fun. And I, I talked to a friend of mine who's a mechanic and just coincidentally, he was building a, an E30 race car to race in, in a lemons race because they had heard about it too. So I got involved with them and we did that for a little while, and we really liked endurance racing. We liked the team aspect of it and the camaraderie and sharing things, but Lemons really wasn't our, our style, and we tried some other things, and there really wasn't what we wanted to do. So I was at a point where I could do this. So me, along with my friend at the time, Ed Tadios, we started AER, and we quickly brought in uh, a good friend of ours who raced with us also, Justin Stone, and then later on, on we brought in Alex Rubenstein. So there's four of us run AER. I'm kind of the, the president. I do it full-time, and they all do it part-time, but together we, we create this racing series well it's so cool i used to vintage race and i always loved the end of the weekend when they would do a somewhat of an enduro and let us all get out there and just run for a long time because the races were using only 15 minutes long and but just as you got into the groove it was over the flag would come out and you're like no i'm finally turning some good laps so i love the whole concept and of course you mentioned the 24 hour of lemons jay lamb who uh runs that whole crazy racing series fun racing series uh was a guest here on Cars Yeah, but I love what you guys are doing because it just provides seat time, and that's the most important and the fun thing for all of us who love to get on the track and go fast. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires smoking here on Cars Yeah. So, John, take the wheel. Well, I mean, it's a cliche, and it's maybe it's the oldest business cliche, but it's something that my partners and I often say to each other, and sometimes joking, but sometimes we're serious, and we try to remind each other that the customer is always right. At the end of the day, what we're doing is we're kind of serving our racing community, mm -hmm. and they are our customers. And early on, very early on, Justin and I, who deal a lot with our racers because he's a race director, and we would get comments from people, racers, that they would say, I race with this amateur racing series or I race with that amateur racing series. And I'm not trying to disparage anybody, but they would say, 
you know, they gave us such a hard time. They've got a chip on their shoulder and you guys are just so nice. You make everything so easy. And just it never occurred to us that that should be our, our goal. But it turned out that <laughs> that's just the way things were working out. And, you know, it wasn't part of the business plan to be the nice guys, but that's the way it's, I guess it just naturally happened. So we're always trying to do what's best for our, our customers and for our racing community. And we like to call them our racing family. Absolutely. Well, they're right. The customer is always right. I guess in some cases, though, racers can get a little hot-headed or get that red mist, as they call it, and do silly things. But most of the time, I found when I was on the track that most of the people really well-behaved, and you'd get a few folks that sometimes would cause a problem. But yeah, it's the race directors or the people talking to you at the beginning that's kind of set the tone for the day. And if they start off with negative attitudes or kind of blasting everybody, everybody kind of sits back on their heels and and feels a little bit, uh, so what's a, maybe one example you could share of what you guys do to kind of set that really positive tone for your guests? Like I said, we, we try to, we try to just be friendly and helpful to everybody. One thing we, we always do is on, on Friday nights, cause our, our events are Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday is practice and qualifying. And then we race on Saturday and Sunday. We always have a cookout, a big social on Friday night mm. to try to get everybody together and try to get people friendly and talking to each other and try to set the tone for the whole weekend. And we think that helps an awful lot, but also just our our racing community in general. Like from the beginning, people would say, well, you know, we have such a friendly paddock, but what's going to happen when that one jerk shows up, that one person who's going to be a problem? And I Mm -hmm. said, well, hopefully they're going to get the message because everybody's going to be so friendly that they're going to get with the program. And so far it's worked. So, So far, I think we have really nice community and people have a lot of fun at our events. Cool. I love the idea of getting everybody together before so they get to know each other because lots of times you go on the track and you don't know the guy in the other car. You've never met him, never talked to him except for maybe in passing. But if you if you know him, you respect him a little more. At least you hope that's the idea. So yep, I think that's the case. Well, let's go back in time and have you share a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. I know you've been racing for a long time. You love cars for a long time. But is there a pivotal moment you can remember in your life when you knew you were indeed a car guy? You know, I don't thinking back about this. It was hard for me to pinpoint that one big moment, but I can pinpoint so many moments where I have vivid memories of cars. I have a vivid memory of riding in the back of my mom's Corvair when I was oh Corvair, that's v- cool. Very small. I can remember riding. We had a, a Vega, and I can remember riding in the hatchback area mm. behind the rear seats. <laughs> I can remember. I have all these very vivid memories of cars. I remember watching the Indy 500 on TV. I remember watching the Grand Prix of Monaco when it was on Wild World of Sports. Mm. So. It's hard for me to pinpoint one, but it seems like there's always been this attraction or always, there's always been this interest. It's as long as I can remember. Yeah, that's what my mom tells me, too. It goes way, way, way back for some reason. I think it's a DNA thing for most of us car lovers. Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or a big failure you faced along the way. Now, this could be in your career. It could be with the current business. could be with your life. Whatever it is, but, of course, the most important part of this question has to do with what it teaches you, you can share others who might be going through the same thing. So tell us how that particular experience helped you gain even more momentum to move forward. Well, I mean, the biggest challenge I faced in the last few years was really to get AER off the ground, forget it to, to the point where it was up in the air and flying on its own. There were so many things that I had to learn. And there's, there's things that really nobody tells you how to do it. There's no way to learn how to do them. You have to figure it out by yourselves, how to deal with racetracks, insurance, liability, registrations, all these things that go into running races, but also all these things that you don't even know you have to learn about running a business, 
building a website, social media, all these things, all these challenges that I had to learn, which I was very happy to. I love trying new things and learning new things. So to put those all together and to see AER in a place where now it's up and it's flying on its own. It has a life of its own. It has a community of its own. And now there's new challenges, of course. But that initial challenge, it's really nice to see it behind us now that it's going now and it's doing really well. Was there one big pothole or roadblock to put some uh, terminology that car people can understand that you came up against that really kind of set you back and went, oh, man, this is one I had not thought of. How are we going to get through this? Yes and no. I mean, when you, we started doing this and you look at the math and you say, well, it costs this much to run a racetrack and we're going to charge people this much. And, oh, it shouldn't be that hard to get this many people. It's easy to talk yourself into that. But when it comes up to it, to getting all these people to commit in their time and their money and do these things is not a small task. It's really, really difficult. And that initially it was a huge challenge to fill racetracks. If you want to fund everybody's racing, you could do that, but yeah. this is a business. <laughs> yeah. So those first few years, the real challenge was to get a car count, to get the business going. And it was not completely unexpected, but it, it was much harder than, than we thought. It's, it's a hard thing to do. I think a lot of people, when they start a business of any kind, a service or a product, they think that most people think the way they do. And you find out pretty quickly that not everybody does. Everybody has a different agenda, different thought process. So, yeah, the marketing and driving that customer to market is uh, always, almost always the biggest challenge. Capital is a huge challenge, of course, as well for most people. So, uh, very cool. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call an aha moment with this whole venture. It's a time when you went, whoa, yeah, this is cool. This is the way this whole thing's going to work. It's probably when we came up with the original idea because we had been, like I said, we had been doing these things and they weren't really for us. And I guess it didn't really occur to us that we should do something. But at one point, my friend Ed and I were sitting in his truck in a paddock of a racetrack and we were, were saying, boy, there really should be a place where we could bring the race car we want to build, not the race car that you have to build for a series or there, a place for race cars that are out there that aren't getting raced because their spec dried up or because for, for whatever reason, mm -hmm. there should be a place for all these race cars. And, and it kind of came together all of a sudden. We thought maybe we should start this racing series that is the racing series we want. Could we really do this? Yeah, I guess we really could do this. It, it kind of came about very quickly when all of a sudden we decided that we could make this the racing series that we wanted. What was your first really special car and maybe share a memory about that vehicle? Could be a race car too. It wasn't a race car. Probably the first car that I had that was somewhat special. I had a hand-me-down uh, 1982 Toyota Supra that I got from my brother. He had graduated up to a Porsche, so I got a Supra, which wasn't too bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, I definitely have really vivid memories of that car. It wasn't all that powerful. You know, it was an 80s Toyota, so it wasn't that fast, but it handled really nicely, and it was a little nose-heavy, and I, it was, it's kind of funny. I, I remember learning things in it that I didn't really understand what I was learning trailing brake that car and turn in and it would rotate around and then you could pick up the throttle and it would go. I understood what, what was happening. Well, I didn't understand. I, I could feel what was happening and I could do it, but it wasn't until years later I went to Skip Barber and they told me with all, this is trailing throttle oversteer. This is how you rotate a car. And all of a sudden it all made sense to me. Like, oh yeah, that's what I've been doing I all these. I remember that. That's, that's what was <laughs> happening when I was doing that. <laughs> but I, I, I was doing it, but I didn't quite understand it. But yeah. that, that car taught me a lot. When you mentioned Skip Barber going to a racing school, driving school, or even any kind of local driving event where you've got instructors, it's amazing what they can teach you 
about your driving and about what car's doing that kind of brings all the pieces of the puzzle together all of a sudden. If you're a spirited driver, you enjoy driving cars quickly or you enjoy going on the track. So uh, definitely something worth doing. How about Siller's Remorse? Is there a vehicle you've owned that you let go that you really wish you had back? There's a bunch, but one one car that I really kind of regret, my aunt and uncle owned a 67 Tornado, the original year of the Oldsmobile Tornado. Oh, wow. And it sat in their garage for years and years. It hadn't been driven. It was um, you know, in original condition, you know, it hadn't been touched or, or anything. It was in really nice shape. I don't know if it had been started in a long time, but it was, it's been garaged for 20 years or something. Mm-hmm. And it was a really neat car, not especially valuable, but at the time I didn't have a place to put it and I didn't know what to do with it. And we sold it for next to nothing because there's, I don't think they're still all that desirable, but that would have, it was just a futuristic, cool car that I, I wish I could have kept on to. It had some sentimental value, but also just a really, neat, somewhat different car. Yeah, they were. When they first came out, I remember my mom, I was a kid, and she really wanted one badly. And for whatever reason, they didn't get one. Maybe it was too expensive, but that vehicle's front-wheel drive, right? Yeah, front-wheel yeah. drive with a V8 and just all sorts of futuristic for the time things. I yeah. remember the, the stereo was vertical. I remember that too, yeah. Well, remember when we going to the dealership, the radio was vertical. It's like, why did they do that? That's kind of wild. And I think in uh, I think Jay Leno has one of those cars in his garage. Right. Yeah, he did some I think he's got one with some unusual motor swap in of it. Of course. It was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Something to make it go a lot faster. Jet sure. engine or something. Yeah, probably so. Jay can do whatever he wants, so very cool. Well, I would love for you to share a little bit more with our listeners about everything they could expect if they can get involved in American Endurance Racing, AER. Tell us a lot more about the whole program, how it works, how people, where people can go to learn about it. Is this something they can do no matter where they are? They have to come to you. So uh, here you go. Tell us more about AER. Well, it's an, it's endurance racing for amateur racers that are, are licensed. This isn't. It's not racing for novices. So um, we want you to have a racing license with you know one of the the major amateur series or a lot of track time. We do vet people if they don't actually have a license, but um, have a lot of other experience or or come with recommendations. And it's endurance racing for production-based race cars. So really long races, two nine-hour races, a nine-hour on Saturday, a nine-hours on Sunday, a lot of track track time, a really nice community, a mix of cars from BMWs to Porsches to, you know, Hondas. And, you know, we have cars that come from Continental that aren't being used anymore, cars that come from World Challenge, but also club racing cars and people build cars for us. So a real diverse community. And we really try hard. I think we have a a nice system for classing all these different cars so people can be very competitive in their class. We class them based on performance. On Friday, we, we have qualifying. So people set lap times and we analyze lap times from the car and from different drivers in the car and we class them, you know, classing. And it's worked out really well. People have really nice competition within their class. So even if you're in a Miata, there's a bunch of Miatas and similarly performing cars. There's a there's World Challenge Honda Fits that race with us. So there's cars in that class and they can compete really nicely with each other. And then there's cars on the other end. There's very fast BMW E46 M3s. And there was a Ferrari that the race with Ferrari Challenge car at, at Road Atlanta. And there's Caymans and there's other stuff at the other end. And they have nice competition in their class too. So we think it works out really well. I think our racers generally agree with us that it works out really well. Yeah. And we're 
mostly in the East Coast, where we're exclusively on this side or the east side of the the Mississippi now. We try to be at the the racetracks we want to race at, racetracks that we love. So we're at Road Atlanta this year, Watkins Glen, New Jersey Motorsports Park, the National Corvette Museum. We're going to be up in California at Calabogie, which is a fairly new track that we're excited to be at. We're at Summit Point in West Virginia and Mid-Ohio. So those events this year. Like I said, all great racetracks that we love, that we race to be at. You know, this is the series that we wanted to race at, so that's what we wanted to make it. Well, some spectacular tracks. Now, if you could advise somebody who's maybe done either club lapping days or they've gotten into racing, whether it's vintage racing or SCCA, whatever, getting into an endurance race car or endurance race, I should say, what are maybe one or two tips or comments you could make to somebody? Because it's a very different way to race. Um, that would help them if they are preparing to come out and do some endurance racing? Well, I think it's, I think patience, you know, patience is the key to endurance racing, taking care of the car and being patient. You're going to be out there for 90 minutes, maybe, you know, you don't have to pass somebody immediately on that corner, on the entrance to a corner when they're turning in. You can be a little patient. If you're faster than them, you're going to get by. You want to save the car for so all your friends can race behind you. You want to save the car so you don't blow it up. So all those things. So a, a little bit of patience, a little bit of care for the equipment goes a long way. Absolutely. You know, it comes to mind is I've had Hurley Haywood as a guest here on the show. Of course, one of the greatest endurance racers of all time. And sure. Yeah, he basically talked about that as well. He said just it's patience. And that's one thing that if you've met Hurley and talked with him, he's a very patient, methodical person. He really isn't moving real fast all the time. And you know, he isn't a car, but just in the way he processes things. But he's very methodical and thoughtful and always looking way down the track at how do I get this car to the end? Because endurance racing, that's the key. You got to make the car last too, not only yourself, but the car's got to get there too. So yeah, I think that's great advice. Very cool. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, John. If you were a car or a race car, what would John be and why? I'd have to say that, that my current daily driver kind of exemplifies me pretty well. And that's a 2004 Volvo V70R. Okay. <laughs> so it's it's a big Volvo wagon. Yeah. You can put a ton of stuff in the back. I had actually had a king-size mattress folded up in the back for the other day. It has a hitch on it so I can haul lumber with it. But it's also 300 horsepower and has a six-speed manual. So I try to do a lot of things. I try to learn a lot. And that car does a lot of things. So I think it exemplifies me pretty well. Very well said and very thoughtful. Well, John, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. In addition to Premier Plush and Berber Custom Floor Mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars 
with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. All right, John, we are back and we're entering the last lap. Certainly a place you've been many times. The white flag is out. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick lips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive or racing advice you've ever received? Um, well, I think it's the classic that you're going to learn more from driving a slow car fast than a, a fast car slow. Yeah. <laughs> when I started vintage racing, I started in a Lotus 18 Formula Junior. Not a very fast car, but kind of a momentum car. I think it was a place for me to start, not in the car I ended up in, which was a Lola T290, which was much, much faster. Yeah. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your successes over the years? I try to stay curious and just learn about everything I can. Something uh, sparks my interest and I want to learn everything about it. And I think that served me really well. Ah, continual learning. So important. Now, how about a resource? There are tons of great resources these days. Is there one you think our listeners would enjoy? I can't think of one offhand, actually, a resource. I don't know. Just, you know, Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Just uh, just vet what you're reading sometimes because it may not always be true. That's for sure. Now, how about a drink? If I could arrange for you to sit down with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, and have a drink with them, what would it be? Or who would it be, I should say? My favorite time of racing was probably late 60s, early 70s endurance racing. I have a thing for Porsche 917s. Um, I just... I just can't get enough of them. So it would probably have to be Brian Redman, I, th I think. I'd mm -hmm. like to talk to him about those early days in 917s and racing in Le Mans and all that stuff. Brian was a guest on my show, and the cool thing was it was his birthday. So he sang me the British birthday song, which is hilarious. Oh, wow. You'll have to go back and listen to that show because it's a hilarious song, and he's such a, a cool guy. Another 917 driver, a guy who's driven every model, is Vic Elford, of course. Mm -hmm. yep. and he's been a guest on the show as well. So, yeah, listening to those guys talk about their experiences back in the day in those cars, wickedly fast cars. I don't know how they did it, how they got in those cars and drove for the length of time they did. Just consistency lap. I mean, wow. Yeah, there's there's a, a funny anecdote. They said when they developed those cars, all the German drivers who had been involved in the development wouldn't drive them because they're afraid of them. So they had to go get British guys to drive them yeah. for them. <laughs> they didn't know any better. Uh, or maybe they just had some more skill sets. I don't know. But uh, yeah, pretty crazy stuff. Well, how about a book? Is there a book you've read you think our listeners should read as well? I haven't read a lot of business books, but one business book I did read was called Business Adventures. It was Bill Gates said it was one of his favorite business books, and it was very good. It, it, each chapter is is a, a look at a different company like Xerox mm -hmm. or IBM, and they talk about just kind of a, a case study of things they did right and wrong. And there's really nice lessons to be learned, and it's nice little 
bite-sized pieces, and it, I, I found it really nice. Well, we love business books here at Cars, yeah, and I remind our listeners you can find links to all these great resources John has shared on his show notes page. Just go to carsyad.com, type in John Kolesa, K-O-L-E-S-A. That's how you spell his last name. And that page will pop up. And, of course, there's an awesome place on the website called Guest Recommended Books, where this book and recommendations from the past 1,000-plus guests are listed there. And I've made it really easy for you to just click to buy. Wonderful resource if you love reading and learning. All right, we are up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car or race car, whatever it is. Doesn't matter today, John, because I'm writing the check. Money's no object, but you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other race cars with. You got to keep it. You got to drive it. You got to enjoy it. So what's it going to be? Well, there's a couple, but I, I think I, I, I just I have to say a, a Porsche 904. It comes from, you know, just a really favorite period of mine, that time when it was between you know, factories making streetcars and, and custom-built race cars. And they were just at the cusp of going from turning streetcars into race cars and building purpose-built race cars. And I think that car is right on, on on the cusp there. But it's also just such a beautiful and unusual car, and I would drive that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would too. That's a pretty special car. You know who's, who's making uh, remakes or replicas of those is Chuck Beck. Uh, yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, he makes a pretty nice car, too. And uh, Chuck's been a guest on the show. I actually had one of his spiders years ago, a Beck Spider that John Wilhoy built that was a really, really special car. But the 904, yeah, with the 911 engine, and uh, it's just a wonderful, yeah. wonderful car. All right, well, I'll get to work for you, John. You've taken us okay. on, a, on a great ride. As long as you let me deliver that car to the racetrack so I can take it on a few laps. That's what oh, okay. <laughs> maybe at a little endurance race or two. I've really enjoyed getting to know you better, learning more about your business, uh, which is absolutely spectacular for anybody who loves to get in a car and drive on a track. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. Is there a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance you might offer us before you rip off down the track in that Porsche 904? I would just have to say, um, keep learning, um, keep your mind open and, and keep at it. At this business, I work 24-7 pretty much. I'm always trying to you know, improve and do things better. And I think that's good advice. Well, and that's the other secret sauce to life, and that is find a way to wrap your passion into your career. And that's exactly what John has done in a big, big way. Who'd have thought that you can end up having a business wrapped around your passion for endurance racing? Wow. Kudos to you. Very cool. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your business? You can go to AmericanEnduranceRacing.com. Um, there's links to everything there. Um, there's photo galleries with all sorts of great photos. Vid- you can get, get to videos there. Uh, you can get to our Facebook page. From our Facebook page, you can get to our group. We have a very active Facebook group, which has a really nice community with conversations about racing and about AER. Um, so you can get to that all from AmericanEnduranceRacing.com. It's a great website, too. So I'd encourage you listeners to go check it out. And I'll put a link to that on John's show notes page on the Cars Yeah website. So check it out. And if you love the idea of endurance racing, uh, contact John and reach out to him and find out a way to do it because it is a very cool way to get seat time. John, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with our Cars Yeah audience. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. You're welcome. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. 
For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!